Howdy, everybody. Welcome into Locked On Aggies, the brand new podcast as part of the Locked On Network. Now, for any of you who have listened to the Locked On Network before, you kind of get the gist of what this podcast is going to be about. It's just another way for you to get more Now, listen, I don't know about you guys, but for me, a game is 10 times more exciting when I'm putting money on it. Sometimes I have the gut feeling about a matchup, and sometimes I'm just betting on my team because, well, they're my team. But regardless, whether you've been betting for years or ready to play for the first time, my bookie is the best bet this season. I mean, say you're the type of guy that likes to bet a little but win a lot, you can always try a parlay. I mean, for instance, there's a couple of big favorites this week, and parlays are perfect because they allow you to bet on multiple games together for a much bigger payout. And there's also games going on between football season, the MLB playoffs, the start of the NBA and NHL season. It's time to get off those sidelines and get into action. So if you really want to support your team this season, don't just sit down. Go ahead and join mybookie.ag. If you join right now, MyBookie will actually double your deposit. So use our promo code ONCOLLEGE to activate that offer. The promo code, of course, is ONCOLLEGE to double down your cash. So make sure you go ahead and visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. When we come back on the other end of the commercial break, we will talk about the bad and the ugly of the 2019 Texas A&M schedule and what is still left ahead. This has been Locked on Aggies with Cole Thompson. Do not miss... ESPN. I worked a little bit around with USA Today. I worked a little bit around with the SB Nation. And most recently, I was the team reporter for the San Antonio Commanders as part of the now defunct Alliance of American Football. So my background in football is very knowledgeable and especially growing up only about 70 miles away from College Station, Texas A&M was something that everyone around here knew. So kind of what I was talking about. I kind of understand exactly what you guys are looking for. I definitely am going to be growing in this process. So thank you so much for joining us and being along for the ride. But enough about my background, enough about what I've done in the past, about what is not happening anymore. Let's talk about the future. And more importantly, let's talk about the future of Texas A&M football. This show, as our first show, comes at a kind of difficult time because unfortunately it's coming during A&M's bye week, which means... The content is not as rich and as promising as I wanted it to be, just mainly due to the fact of it's hard to get these players, it's hard to get quotes, it's hard to get people to come on. This is kind of a week where everyone, including the reporters who have been working their butts off, kind of take it a little less on the side. So for this first show, I thought we could discuss the three major things, because in Texas, One of the biggest things besides football is Western-style films. Everyone that I've ever spoken to outside of the state thinks that every Western movie comes from the state of Texas. And sometimes that's true, sometimes that's not. I mean, my favorite Western movie of all time definitely took place in Texas. But before we go into that, there is a classic Western movie that everyone, I think, knows. And that is now an iconic catchphrase that everyone talks about now. And that is The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Now, that was, of course, a movie done by Clint Eastwood back in the early 70s, but it kind of makes sense when talking about Texas A&M. Right now, they're sitting at 3-2. and two. They're going to go ahead and play Alabama, who is now ranked number one next week in Kyle Field, and their schedule kind of gets in a mixed area. This is a team that a lot of people had high expectations on, especially entering Jimbo Fisher's second year of his 10-year contract. So a lot of people thought that AM would definitely contend with the likes of Alabama, 
maybe overtake LSU in the SEC West and compete with Georgia to be a legitimate top 10 contender. Part of that problem was this schedule that A&M was handed is kind of like a stick of dynamite. You know you should throw it, but if you don't throw it far enough, you're still going to take the recoil of the blast. Not everyone expected Auburn to be as good as a team as they are. I mean, they're sitting as the number seven team in the nation, and they still have yet to lose with freshman quarterback Bo Nix. Clemson has looked worse than Alabama, and because of that, you saw them drop off on that scale. They're now sitting at number two. But those were two of AM's first five games against two top ten opponents, and those are their two losses. A struggling win over Arkansas was kind of plausible when you look at the Southwest Classics numbers in years past. So those are things that I totally understand. And they got their both significant wins over Lamar and Texas State. So they're sitting still in a good spot. So we're going to go ahead and break this up into three parts because the show takes part in three different ways. So let's start off with the good. Probably the best news as of right now is the long-term plan that Jimbo Fisher can have in place out in College Station. And a lot of that is due to the freshman talent that has already made a name for themselves this year. I mean, when you look at this AM team, they definitely are a team that is going to be a contender, I think, for the long-term future. Because majority of those players that we're seeing are older players, but the more key contributors have actually come from the freshman side of the ball. I mean, when you look at Damani Richardson, the starting safety, he was expected to be a contributor year one, but he was expected to start. And now, five days into the year, he's already started in four games. He ranks third on the team with 22 tackles. He's played pretty well in coverage in a money kind of style formation of Mike Elko's defense. I'm very impressed with him. I also am very impressed with the likes of Aeneas Smith. He hasn't been able to show off all of his skills mainly because if he's in a loaded wide receiver room with guys like Courtney Davis, Kendrick Rogers, and Shabbat Osman. Kind of blocking his way. He's playing that number four, four, five receiver with Cameron Buckley. But he's made a name for himself in the past two weeks. You know, following his six reception, 66-yard game against Lamar, he went out and had six catches for 95 yards and scored a pair of touchdowns against Auburn and Arkansas. He is going to be that lead receiver for the long-term future and probably will take over the SEC as one of the top targets for Texas A&M. Keon Green has been playing in the offensive trenches. He's now playing at right guard. He's playing well with Carson Green. They formed the Green Mile, as they like to put it. Having a freshman step in kind of says more about your older line and what you're going to be able to do with that process moving forward. So I definitely think a guy like Green is going to be very productive. Then you have guys such as Isaiah Spiller and Jalen Widemere who are contributors. And that is what I think you really want most from these guys. You want them to be contributors. You want them to step up. You want them to make an impact during their freshman season because if they do, you know what to build with and how to get them better moving forward. So Spiller has rushed for 100 yards in at least two games this season. He's also struggled against top-level talent, and he had a fumble in the Southwest Classic last week. So those are things that, you know, he's definitely going to have to work on. He's definitely going to have to hopefully fix. But overall, it's hard not to be impressed with what potential is there. Uh, Widemere's been a really good run blocker. He's done enough in the passing game. He's made six catches, I think, for 56 yards. Uh, He's had a pair of touchdowns. He scored that touchdown 
late against Clemson. So there's hope there. They also have Baylor Cup, who is a tight end prospect that they expected to start this year, but he injured his leg during fall camp and he's been out. Zach Calzada could be the quarterback of the future and the heir apparent to Kellen Mond. So with that in mind, this team has a lot to look forward to in the future. And part of the biggest reason I think people worry so much about teams like this is because if everyone wants to contend immediately, everyone wants to be the next Alabama, the next Clemson, people have to realize that Dabble Sweeney was almost fired after his second season at Clemson. That's how bad the program was. And he had to build that program up from the ground, start bringing in top-level prospects, start bringing a name to the program before eventually winning his first national championship back in 2017. So with those things in mind, you have to look at the full picture. This AM team has a ton of potential for the future. And they definitely are a team to watch out for. But right now, they're probably still a middle-of-the-pack kind of team. And that's okay. You don't sign Jimbo Fisher away from a top program like Florida State if you expect him to win with the roster that Kevin Sumlin put together. Now that he's adding his own recruits, this is going to be the difference maker for Texas A&M. So... The future's bright in Texas a That's a very good for them. The other really good thing for them is they have a ton of winnable games coming up on their schedule in the next couple of weeks. Ole Miss has struggled. Mississippi State has looked horrendous against top-level opponents. They were demolished last week against Auburn. South Carolina is not a good team. And UTSA is not a good team. So those are four games you could definitely win, finish with seven wins on the year, and be bowl eligible. Those are things that you could definitely go Hold your head up high. You can probably gain a little bit of ground in the in the recruiting game. You can probably gain a little bit of ground in the AP polls. So when you look at all that, those are games and those are moments that can definitely be helpful to the program. We here at Locked On Aggies would like to give a special shout out to one of our sponsors, Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live events. And our promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount up to $100. Remember, that promo code is KICKOFF. You can use that checkout. Get up to $100 off of tickets to your next sporting event. Now, listen, I don't know about you guys, but for me, a game is 10 times more exciting when I'm putting money on it. Sometimes I have the gut feeling about a matchup, and sometimes I'm just betting on my team because, well, they're my team. But regardless, whether you've been betting for years or ready to play for the first time, my bookie is the best bet this season. I mean, say you're the type of guy that likes to bet a little but win a lot, you can always try a parlay. I mean, for instance, there's a couple of big favorites this week, and parlays are perfect because they allow you to bet on multiple games together for a much bigger payout. And there's also games going on between football season, the MLB playoffs, the start of the NBA and NHL season. It's time to get off those sidelines and get into action. So if you really want to support your team this season, don't just sit down. Go ahead and join mybookie.ag. If you join right now, MyBookie will actually double your deposit. So use our promo code ONCOLLEGE to activate that offer. The promo code, of course, is ONCOLLEGE to double down your cash. So make sure you go ahead and visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. When we come back on the other end of the commercial break, we will talk about the bad and the ugly of the 2019 Texas A&M schedule and what is still left ahead. This has been Locked on Aggies with Cole Thompson. Do not miss... 
And we're back in here on Locked On Aggies. I am Cole Thompson, the host of this fine show, part of the Locked On Network. Thank you so much for coming back in for part two. Now, we've already talked about the good. Texas A&M is still ranked number 25. They're three and two. They have a chance to probably finish with a nine and three, 10 and two possibly record, gain some ground in the AP polls. But there still are some bad things that are still ahead for this team. And let's just start off with probably the biggest problem right now. And it is on offense, and it really is at either quarterback or miscommunication between Kellen and Jimbo, but it's the lack of ability to score on the opening drive. That is a problem that I have seen happen on three separate occasions that isn't getting any better. And it's a problem that I've addressed in my articles on Sports Illustrated for Aggie Maven. Make sure you check that out, si.com slash T-A-M-U for more Aggie content. It's an area where I'm not sure it's going to get any better because you've looked at this team and what they've done in three different occasions. They've had chances to set the tone early against opponents. They've had really good chances to do that. And it's flustered out because of a lack of a play call or because of a miscommunication between Mond and his receivers, or just Mond overshooting the target. I mean, if you look at all three games this season, and in both losses, Texas A&M had a chance to score early against Clemson in South Carolina on their opening drive. Cameron Buckley was wide open in the flats. He was going to be able to turn upfield. There was no defenders around him. That would have possibly set up either a touchdown or at least put them in the red zone. Well, Mondo overshot him. And that ended up becoming a braided man punt. Then you look at the next game against Auburn. He had Jacob Cabote, who has struggled at times. I'm not giving all the blame on Mond because of that would be fair. But Cabote was wide open on a wheel route down the sideline. No one's in sight. This is a wide open running lane for Cabote. And Mond misses. And then you look at this past weekend against Arkansas in Arlington. This one, you can argue, at least a little bit, because Mon took a deep shot downfield for his receiver, Kendrick Rogers. He would have probably been down at the one, if we're being honest, because if he dove for the ball. But at the same time, what if he didn't die for the ball? Would Mon have just overshot him, or would Rogers have gotten the touchdown? At the same time... The way it looked when Rodgers dove for the ball was that Mon overshot him vertically. And with that, he had to make a diving play to get that ball. It didn't work. Another braided man putt. One thing that really can define a team is how they begin a game. If a team struggles with their first drive, it could really be bad news. For another team, especially if they're second to receive the ball and the team ahead of them scores, they could be down by 14 points, 10 points, a two-score two deficit for sure before they even have a second drive. That now puts more pressure on your offense to make up ground. And that also puts a lot more pressure on your defense to make more critical stops to allow your offense to go ahead and grow with it. So with all those things in mind... You have to look at what the offense has done on their first drive and wonder if they can start scoring early. 
Is that going to fix the problem? One way they can start scoring early is another bad. The run game. Listen, last year, Kellen Mond did not have to rely on his arm as much. He was able to kind of make a few careless more mistakes because of he had the SEC leading rusher in Travion Williams in the backfield. Williams finished third overall in rushing. I believe he had over 1,600 rushing yards from, the, from scrimmage last year. I think he had a total of 1,900 total yards of offense. So those are all things you can look at and just sit back and go, okay, Mon doesn't have to be this big of a hero because if he has that security blanket. Well, with the loss of Jay Sean Corbin in week two against Clemson, the team is now relying on Kabodi and freshman Spiller to pick up the slack. And Spiller has been horrendous early against these SEC teams, against these powerhouse teams, such as Clemson. Last week, you know, the fumble happened. Kabodi has been a little better, but we're, we're talking not much. I mean, the, the, the way the team has rushed, against Auburn, Mond led the way. When your quarterback has to lead the way in rushing, that's a major problem. Then last week, you know, against Arkansas, 38 yards. Zero yards on seven carries for Spiller. 38 yards for Kabodi. And then you have Mond finishing with 33 yards. And Courtney Davis, a wide receiver, on two carries on reverses, has 19 yards. When your feature back and the guy you're supposed to be planning around for the future isn't able to pick up yards, that is a severe red flag that definitely can cause alarm for concern. And finally, it's allowing teams to stay in the game when they shouldn't. When you look at this A&M team, they were up nearly, they were up by 20 to 7 following the Spiller fumble. They only won that game by four points. Both teams came in with a 2 and 2 record, but let's get this out of the way. They are two very different 2 and 2 teams. One lost to a pair of top 10 opponents, the other lost to a struggling Ole Miss and was upset due to five interceptions by former Texas A&M quarterback Nick Starkle against San Jose State. They're not playing in the same ballpark, and yet A&M allowed them to hang around later than they should. And while teams like Alabama, LSU, Georgia, maybe you could even throw in Mississippi State, won't be that way, an Ole Miss will hang around. A UTSA will hang around. And what I saw from Hillenisky against Alabama... He's going to hang around. I mean, people forget that Alabama last week still allowed 31 points against their second-team defense to Ole Miss. They allowed South Carolina to stay in the game early when they went up to Columbia to go play them. Those are things A&M cannot do because the problem is with a loss now and each loss moving forward, that hurts their schedule even more and that hurts their rankings even more. AM is the only team in the AP Top 25 right now with two losses. And it's probably because their two losses came to top 10 opponents. But they're at 25 for a reason. Because if they would have won that game against Arkansas by maybe 20, 17, they'd probably be maybe 21. Maybe they'd be 23 still. They wouldn't be 25. They moved down because they allowed opponents to stay late in the game against them. 
And that can't happen moving forward, especially with games needing to be won. So if those three things, an early execution on offense, a sound running game, and allowing teams who are lesser opponents to crawl away and lose the game and not keep, keep them around, A&M could actually still be a compatible team this season. But until that happens, there's going to be questions out in College Station, which I completely understand. We're going to take one more final commercial break. When we come back, we are going to discuss the ugly. There's one ugly, but it is the biggest ugly still left ahead. Locked on Aggies with Cole Thompson. Be right back soon. Final segment here on Locked on Aggies. I'm your host, Cole Thompson. We've already discussed the good and we've already discussed the bad of Texas A&M's 2019 season. Let's talk about the ugly. I kind of prefaced it in the pre-intro of the show about Texas A&M. They're the first team since 1975 to face off against the AP Poll's preseason top three. The funny thing is, is that also South Carolina will be doing the same thing because they had Alabama on their schedule, kind of like how Texas A&M had Georgia on their schedule, and the two SEC teams don't ever usually play each other. So, yeah, while both have that, A&M's schedule got a little harder with the emergence of LSU. Last year, everyone remembers the, one of the greatest games in college football. Seven overtimes it took, but AM was able to get the 74-72 victory over the Tigers, over Ed Orgeron. That was a team that people kind of thought maybe would finish with a 10-2 record, maybe somehow be at least a sneaky little team that could maybe possibly get into the playoffs while well, AM ended that streak. They finished 9-3. This is a whole new LSU team. And while Clemson is off the schedule, while Auburn is off the schedule, two top 10 teams and a chance that both finish in the top 10 or at least top 15, I don't see Auburn moving past 15 right now unless they blow a massive lead against another team besides Alabama. I mean, we could see an undefeated Iron Bowl this year for for what it's worth. But Texas A&M had to play Clemson and Auburn. And now they have to play a number one Alabama team that allowed 31 points to Ole Miss. And Nick Saban does not like playing those late games and allowing points to come back in. So he's going to be coming in really furious in the college station. And both teams had a bye week. So both teams are going to be fully at full strength with the players that they have. You know, Alabama's not going to have Dylan Moses, but they weren't going to have him all season. So they start to play a now number one Alabama instead of a number two Alabama. Then to end the season, they still have to go travel to Athens and play Georgia. Who Georgia, if we're being honest, they possibly even could be undefeated at that time. I mean, when you look at their schedule, they have Tennessee, they have South Carolina, uh, Florida in the Jacksonville game might be their only loss before that game. Maybe Kentucky gets an upset. They could be undefeated. And they could be in the hunt for making sure that they're the dominant team in the SEC. And then you got to travel to Death Valley to play LSU in what is going to be a redemption game for Ed Orgeron's staff. They thought they had the win in that first overtime. Everyone remembers it. Everyone remembers the Gatorade bath that Orgeron got. It was pretty, you know, predetermined. Now they're going to be coming for blood in their own backyard. And I didn't go to Texas A&M, and I get that, but I did go to college in the SEC. 
and I have been to Tiger Stadium. I've been to Death Valley, both as a journalist and as a fan. And when I say it is the hardest place to play, it is. It is the toughest environment to play in. And this LSU team is a very, very good LSU team this year. Their biggest problem is on defense. But when you look at that offense and what Joe Burrow has done this season, he's looking more and more like an NFL-level quarterback. And that now adds him, Jake Fromm, and Tua Tungavailoa, guys who are probably going to be playing on Sundays next year on AM schedule. So now AM has to also upset one of these two teams, three teams, my apologies, in order to be the same record they had a year ago. They want to finish with an 8-4 and four regular season record. They're going to have to do it by beating either LSU, Georgia, or Alabama. That is a juggernaut of games. And when I'm looking at this team right now, there are tiers in the SEC. And there's tier one, it's Alabama. They are well and above everyone else. So AM and Jimbo have to come up with an exceedingly amazing game plan to beat the Crimson Tide. Not only that, I think LSU is actually better than Georgia right now. Granted, they did allow 38 points to Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt is right now the laughing stock of the SEC, but their offense has put up, on average, 66 points, 65 points, 45 points, 55 points in their four games this season. They're an offensive juggernaut. And if AM's defense gives up even a few points and AM's offense can't score, that's going to be another loss. So right now, Georgia looks like the team that they're going to have to upset on the road this season. And if they do that, they'll finish with an 8-4 and four record, which is a very promising record, which also gives promise to the future of the organization. And it's still progress in Jimbo Fisher's long-term plan. But to ask anyone to take down five top ten opponents in a single season is nuts. That's an offensive juggernaut that I don't ever want to be a part of. You're looking at five different types of teams and how they're winning the games. I mean, Auburn's winning the games in the trenches. Alabama's winning the games because of their receiving core. LSU's winning the games because of Joe Burrow. Yeah, I said it. I'll be completely honest. Jake Fromm and the offensive rushing attack for Georgia's been phenomenal. Clemson's Clemson. They just kind of are good. It's impossible to win five of those games. But to win two of them is not. And if they win two, they finish 9-3. and three. If they win it. But that's an ugly look still ahead. Because while AM is going to, of course, face off against teams such as South Carolina, Mississippi, UTSA, games that should be winnable... There still are games, three games, that could really hurt a and season. And we're going to find out a little bit more next week. 
That's going to do it for me on the very first episode of Locked on Aggies. Thank you so much for sticking around. If you want to follow me on social media, I love interacting with fans. It's just at Mr. Cole Thompson. If you want to follow the Aggie Maven Twitter account, which this podcast will be featured now on Sports Illustrated's new Maven site, Aggie Maven, you can follow that at Aggies SI. Make sure to check out the site. Leave a comment there. Make sure you read some of the articles. Have questions to ask because... After this week, every Friday, we will start doing a Fan Friday interaction where you guys get to ask some questions. I'll answer them. I'll be able to do what I can. Definitely try to add more context to the show. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the pilot episode of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you come back next week. We have two very special guests lined up as the Alabama Crimson Tide travel to Kyle Field to take on Texas A&M. Once again, thanks for joining us for the very first episode of Locked on Aggies. We'll see you same time next week, sports nerds. Later.